0: I hope that in your life, you are able to have conversations like the ones that I'm privileged to have on this show. Welcome to the All Things, All People podcast, and I truly am privileged because every week I get to talk to someone that fascinates me, whether it's a world-famous Bible scholar or philosopher, whether it's an author whose books I've read, whether it's a pastor who has led hundreds and thousands of people to Christ, or... It's me and my friends sitting in our offices talking about heaven and hell, because that's what we did today. You are in, I don't know what number crew episode this is. We should probably start numbering the crew episodes, but you're in number something uh, crew episode of the ATAP podcast, and this is actually our 48th episode of the ATAP podcast. We are coming up on one complete year uh, of the ATAP podcast, and you'll hear us allude in the conversation to a pretty big guest coming up and it's actually going to work out that our 52nd episode is with one of the bigger guests that we've ever had on the show and I'm truly excited so make sure to stay in touch to not check out over the next four weeks if you're listening to this when it publishes because episode 52 is going to be a huge celebration of one year of the ATAP podcast, but you know, I get excited every week to talk to whoever it is that I'm getting to talk to. And like I said, this week, Josh and Ben are back on the show and we are engaging with your questions about heaven and hell and just kind of the end times in general, heaven, you know, like there's so many questions surrounding what the Bible teaches on this topic. And so me and the guy spent a considerable amount of time talking about some of the things that we That Christians typically seem sometimes avoid talking about, especially in regards to the topic of hell. But these questions came from Instagram um, and they are all phenomenal. Sometimes we actually combined the questions into one because we had so many on one particular topic or genre. So you're going to hear us tackle about like eight or nine questions and give our own takes. Um, None of the three of us are experts in eschatology. Uh, We're not necessarily experts even on, um, you know, Greek or Hebrew, the things that come with it. But hopefully what you'll be able to hear from us is an honest and humble attempt to navigate this topic that so many people avoid. Because as you're going to hear us say quite a few times, we have to stop avoiding it. There is a good way. There is a correct way. There is a best way to engage these topics, especially with new and non-believers, with our children, with teenagers. Um, But what you can't do is just not talk about it because Jesus talked about it a ton and we're going to take our cues from him. And so I hope that you enjoy this episode engaging with the questions that you had on the topics of heaven and hell in this week's crew episode with our Christian thinkers, me, Josh, and Ben. Let's get to it. All right, we've been chugging Red Bull yep. and Black Coffee mm-hmm. from Hope House Coffee in Fourth City, North Carolina, and we are recording this one late, mm-hmm. uh, past most of our bedtimes. Are but you not
1: going to mention the place we got, the Red Bull? Okay. Uh,
0: the gas station down the street, on oh, my friend, Dermish. Uh, yeah, Shout out, Dermish. And then you uh, hid from me, <laughs> drove around the, the parking lot <laughs> hiding from me, because I was the last one out of the gas station.
1: Mm, Dermish's so. is a convenience store. Not a sponsor yet. Not but. a
0: sponsor. All that could be. Um, gentlemen, are we ready to talk about Heaven and Hell tonight? Mm-hmm. Or this morning? Somebody's probably listening to this early morning when it first comes out, but we're recording it tonight. Um, Who gets up on a Monday morning like, I'm going to listen to a podcast about Heaven and Hell? We have some pretty faithful subscribers. <laughs> yeah, that's um, true. And uh, yeah, we do. I mean, we do have a lot of faithful subscribers. And I'll tell you this, man. So, you know, like 10 years of pastoring, of course, most of those years in student ministry, where you get asked a lot of these types of questions, interestingly enough, when you start talking about, there's a lot of topics that like, that I think we all think are important that if you were to have a class on or a podcast on or something, you wouldn't see a level of engagement from people that you would hope to see, you know, like if you start talking about, um, you know, what The Greek word in John one one means in like when he says tabernacles, it's like super important stuff. And you're like, well, not a lot of people are going to show up for that when you start talking about heaven and hell on a podcast or on Instagram or in a church, like people, people show up. And so um, it's like demons and Francis Chan. Yeah, well, you know, we've not had Francis Chan on the show yet, but when we had Dr. Michael Heiser on the show, that was actually one of our earlier episodes. Mm-hmm. I think that was probably like the first big traffic spike, all things, all people ever saw, was because I think the show was called, like, Demons, like, Satan, Demons, and the Powers of Darkness, or something like that.
1: Mm-hmm. I and think like, that is what it is, yeah.
0: Yeah, something like that. And, um, yeah, people lit that episode up, you know. And so, like, I think Heaven and Hell sort of fits into that. People... People get up for that um, and I would imagine it's probably because people not only know that that's important but they have a ton of a ton of questions like so you know all three of us have different walks in faith um, you know i I'm a, I'm a little older than you guys, and so like I've been a Christian a little bit longer than you guys but um when when you first became Christians or when you first started taking your faith seriously and studying the Bible and things like that um, was was heaven and hell? like a stumbling block for you guys at all? Was it something that you were fixated on or was it more just kind of like, I'll worry about that later? Definitely the last for me. You just worry about it later?
1: Yeah, like whenever I accepted the gospel, it wasn't a hell-driven uh, uh, pitch, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was kind of one of those things, like I I realized that it was there, mm-hmm. you know? I realized that it was important, Yeah, but it didn't seem like something that I needed to really dive into at the time. It seemed mm-hmm. like it was it was it was something that like I understood was very important, like it was central but was uh kind of a, almost like uh just not nothing that was necessary at the, at the time yeah
0: yeah, well, and I think too like we we hear all the time like people i don't I don't think in our culture you know like all three of us go to a, like a very contemporary evangelical church, and like I think that not as many people become Christians to get out of hell. As we sometimes make it out to Mm -hmm. be you know what i mean especially younger people Mm -hmm. Um, i think usually what we're going to find amongst younger people is like they want something better as opposed to trying to avoid something bad in the case Mm -hmm. of Mm -hmm. in the case of hell but like ben like was that something for you early on at any point like was heaven the, the concepts of heaven hell trying to get out of hell getting into heaven was that Did that play any role in your faith at all?
2: Yeah, er, very, very early on. Yeah, young age. The idea of getting out of hell. (laughs) So, when you were a kid? Yep. Mm -hmm. Yes. So, like. Very, very much,
0: though. (laughs) You still sound like a little shaky. (laughs) Are you okay? (laughs) Not really. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I do Okay, so that's funny. And we're going to talk about that.
1: Actually, I'm I'm seeing that Ben has some psychological scarring from the turn turn and burns. I do think think sometimes,
0: like, with our kids, sometimes, like. we we can not necessarily with our, like with with like I know with my kids like I don't uh, talk about this a ton or, or anything like that but like back in the day mm-hmm. and and all three of us you know live in the south and like Baptist culture is 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 of course predominant and I, and I do think like there sometimes can be a tendency with our children to be a little bit pushy on like the subject of hell, mm-hmm. um, which actually so this week what we're gonna do is, and we're gonna focus heavily on on these two topics heaven and hell and we're even going to find in the midst of this conversation that like those two words are not always necessarily the best things to describe this Mm -hmm. conversation um because they're very loaded well yeah i mean like if i say heaven Mm -hmm. and i mean that's actually like halfway down the list of the questions but like i do think most of us in american christianity evangelical christianity have misconceptions about heaven mm-hmm. and hell and not only misconceptions, but like <laughs> misconceptions is sometimes a, a very nice way of saying we're wrong. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And like, I think a lot of us are wrong about, mm-hmm. about it and it's not a biblical understanding. And I think we've passed that on to our children. I think we've passed that on to our youth groups. I think we've passed it on to our churches in the way that we teach, the way we preach, mm-hmm. the way we study the Bible. Um, but so we have a list of questions, uh, mostly from Instagram, from followers um, of all things, not all people. And, uh, they're all really good questions. I've addressed some of them a little bit on Instagram, but I wanted to take some time and kind of throw these questions out there for the three of us and, and just kind of hear y- your thoughts on it and we can kind of navigate through it. And, um, for anybody listening, um, you know, feel free to make sure you follow, um, all things, all people on Instagram, but then also like, if you have more questions, email, email me, Jeremy at all um, is it dot .org or dot .com? Oh I my think gosh it's dot .org It's .org .org Oh my yeah, gosh! I just 100%. that was I don't know how that just happened. Um, but uh, it's dot .com. No,
1: goodness! It's dot .org.
0: It's dot .org. It's dot .org. Gosh!
1: Say it again. Dang it. Say it again. No, I, we're, we're, we're yeah. Ben, okay. Ben, will you move over to the captain's chair? <laughs> 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 think think is, .org I'm on it right now. You think this is my first day. <laughs> uh, <laughs> my first day? <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, but email us. Email us your questions.
0: Email us your questions. DM us your questions because you know we can continue to address this on Instagram, future episodes, uh, whatnot. But the first one I think is appropriate, especially you know I know I'm the only one with kids here, but you know the three of us became good friends working in student ministry together. And the first question that I saw a lot of engagement with on Instagram was, what, how, and when is it best to introduce the concept of hell to kids and and teenagers? How and when? Is it best to introduce the concept of hell to kids and teenagers? I'll, I'll, I'll start this off by talking about kids, because, of course, I have two small kids. Mm-hmm. And then I want to hear y'all's thoughts on teens. Because, like, like I said, we became close friends. Actually, my last summer camp as a student pastor, the two of you, um, along with another friend of ours, uh, Kyra, the female chaperone. But the two of you were my the male chaperones, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, we've been in the trenches of student ministry together. But, like, with, with children, um, and I said this on Instagram, I feel like... When you have young kids, and I wouldn't be surprised if this kind of shows out in y'all's answers about teenagers too, but like, I think we should make our faith centered on Jesus. Like, Mm -hmm. I think we should make our faith centered on the person of Jesus and how we um, can know God through the person of Jesus. And so we shouldn't make the faith seem as if it's hell centered for our kids Mm -hmm. because then... They are only going to struggle with shame. They're going to think, and like, and, and I don't think you can really understand hell until you have a, a valid concept of sin too, mm-hmm. you know? And I think the children, like, you know, my kids and they're, they're good kids. Like, but like right now they think sin is when they do something wrong
1: mm-hmm.
0: and they don't necessarily understand like the eternal state of sin and depravity that humans are born into. Mm-hmm. And until you understand that, I think that like what you experienced, Ben, is going to be the experience of most children who are trying to like understand and extrapolate the concept of hell. They're going to say, well, I lied to my mom yesterday, so now I'm closer to going to hell than I was the the day day before. before." Mm -hmm. And, and so I think that until they can begin to understand sin better, I think it's not that you can't, you don't tell them, Hey, hell's a place, but like you don't take the flannel graph out and like show them fire and all these things. I mean, like I think that you make it about who Jesus is and make them well, let them see that you genuinely love Jesus Mm -hmm. and like understand what that is. And like Jesus is amazing. And like Jesus's teachings and his followers and through Jesus, we can know God and all of these things. And then when they get older to begin to introduce the concept of a true biblical understanding of sin and therefore a true understanding um, of a biblical Mm -hmm. hell. Um, so that's, that's children. So, but when the conversation turns to teenagers, specifically maybe a teenager that is involved in church or is, you know what I mean? Maybe, maybe they're, they're to a point now where they're, they're curious about the deeper Mm -hmm. aspects of faith. Like how would you guys say we need to approach the concept of, of hell and, and some of these other things
1: with, with young people in general? Well, you know, it's funny. I think like if you're doing a faithful job of just. So, in our youth group, we decided to do, I think it was F260, and it was yeah. basically going through the entirety of the Bible. Oh, this is here. when you were, like,
2: in, in high school? No, this is oh, after no. I left. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, okay. Yeah. gotcha, gotcha.
1: Yeah, within, like, my time helping with our student ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and basically, it was teaching through the Bible, as far as, like, for from my perspective, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Teaching once a week, and, and Jake, our student pastor. Yeah. And uh, it was funny, we got into the Gospels, and of course, like... When you're teaching chronologically, as you're going through the Old Testament, there's a lot more topics that you would think would be a little bit more difficult, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. uh, just because of the content matter. But it was so funny. Yeah, you start talking about
0: incest and all sorts of weird stuff, and yeah,
1: Testament. and God massacring people groups, you know, yeah. <laughs> and uh, and like you know, it's, it's teenagers are gonna have questions about that too, thousand percent. But you know, it, it was so funny. We had this one student, and of course, I'll protect their identities and all that, but. She was she was extremely upset for like weeks on end. And and uh and and the mom was going to us and being like, oh, you guys taught on hell this week and we were like, Yeah, yeah, we did, actually, yeah. And then it was like the next week, it was like, You guys did it again. She got upset again. And we were like, I am sorry. We're just teaching the the content matter and trying to be as uh as gentle but truthful as honest as we could. And uh I started getting the realization like Jesus talked about hell a lot. Yeah. And as we're walking through, like, the Gospel of Luke, and, and and just you go to prepare, and you're like, all right, so the students read seven chapters this week, right? Mm. What am I picking out of this to teach? What's the important part? And Jesus is so centered on not necessarily just hell, but the consequences to human failure, that your teaching naturally lends itself to talking about those things, right? Yeah. Which is super interesting. So it's, it's kind of like... Um, it's pretty unavoidable if you're following a, a, a truthful mm-hmm. presentation of the text and uh, which makes sense considering it is just one linear narrative of God reuniting heaven and earth. Yeah. Right. So it was, it makes sense that that, that was a big part of Jesus's teaching too.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and so like you bring up, if, if you're going to teach the Bible and you're going to teach the gospels, we do have to negotiate with the fact like Jesus actually talked about hell Almost as much, if not more, than he talked about almost anything else. Talked about almost,
1: I think it's over twice as much as he talked about heaven.
0: Yeah, he didn't actually talk that much about heaven, weirdly enough. Like, I I taught recently on heaven in a class called Questioning Jesus, where we just, like, we're just actually using the words of Jesus, and it was actually very difficult to teach that class on heaven, because he doesn't say a ton about it, or anywhere near as much. But um, So, yeah, so, like, with, with the idea of teenagers, young people, our own experiences, our experiences... In youth ministry, um, I mean, Ben. Like, when it comes to like, how should the concept be dealt with? I know you, you know, we might not necessarily have like the vehicles or like, oh yeah, just use this Mm -hmm. little trick or whatever. But like, Mm -hmm. how should we handle the topic with young people who might, you know, maybe they're not new believers. But in my in my mind, I've not met a ton of teachers who like or teenagers who they might not be new believers, but that doesn't mean that they can handle these things Mm -hmm. like very well so like how should it be handled well first of all i feel like in a way you have
2: to because i feel like the idea is so out there whether they have been in the church their whole entire life or they're new like they've <laughs> heard the concept of it and they have all ideas right. of what it would look like by pop culture, or right? Even outside of it. the church, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're you're bound. I mean, I remember Little Nicky came out when I like in nineteen ninety nine. Like, oh, <man>. that's <laughs> what I'm saying. Like, little Nicky, yes, yeah. That's what I'm saying. Oh my
0: gosh, I forgot about that movie.
2: Yeah, yeah. Or like two, whenever it came out. Mm-hmm. So even then, like you get you can get ideas from there. So
0: well, dude, Little Nas, so, oh, oh yeah. Little something Little Nas X. X. I didn't. Mean, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm surprised I even riding, know that reference. Yeah, yeah. it's right a reference. Riding a reference. Yeah. pole. I mean, Older gosh, I mean, yeah, like all of the, t- mm-hmm. by the way, if you're listening, all of the teenagers in your youth group saw a music video within the last two months of Little Nas riding a stripper pole right. into hell. If you think they didn't, you're out of touch. Yeah, they <laughs> did. I promise you that. Or at least they know about it. And yeah. And so, so anyway, I didn't mean to cut you off because no, 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 where no, you're, you're going is right where we need to So I feel like
2: you have to. I feel like, uh. In a sense, I almost want to say you have to do it case by case, but I don't know. I feel like that's a little so bit when you're dealing with mass group. I feel like that's a little tricky.
1: So here's a question: Is it mm-hmm. really what you're teaching, or is it what you're not teaching?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: What do you mean? So, and maybe it's like maybe it's more about like the the world has a certain interpretation of it, yeah. and then I think some of that's even based on like poor teaching in the past of mm-hmm. hell, yeah, and like an idea of like I know that most of our students they have this idea of like God is punishing and making a choice to punish these people because Mm -hmm. of almost like an anger towards them. But like, I think it's, it's more effective and more truthful to, to teach it on like, this is a justice. This is, this is a God who is 100. Like he, he is all loving, but he is also very, he is a just God, a completely just God who, if he did not, Tim Mackey talks about like, I find peace in that just God because I know that there is justice in this world mm-hmm. like that is where the justice comes from mm-hmm. and like i think that's that's kind of something that is important to teach in that aspect mm-hmm. is being like hell is a place and hell is a a transition based on the judgment that god has to that he does to all people but we mm-hmm. are fortunate mm-hmm. enough that by grace through jesus that we are we we have been judged on his standard yeah right not by our own standard, which would condemn us. Well,
2: yeah. let me ask you this, Jeremy. So I know on certain topics while I was working with you with the youth, yeah. you would sometimes split up the middle school from the high school. Yeah. Did you ever do that wow. on hell? Or no? it was kind of broad stroke, everyone was in the same Probably room?
0: Probably not. But, I mean, I. that's a really good question because I don't remember mm-hmm. what I did, but I, I'm kind of thinking like, would I do that now? And I don't know. I, I guess I'd probably keep kids together. Mm-hmm. Um, I will, I will say this though, like, and you both just couldn't alluded to something like, so I'm going to use a bad, like what's now a bad word. And we're actually probably going to talk, talk about this word here in a few minutes, but the word deconstruction comes to mind. When mm-hmm. I think about like teaching kids hell mm-hmm. and Josh, you just alluded to it strongly. Is that like, In 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 Ben too, like we have a lot of misconceptions when it comes to hell, and we have these pictures in our mind of, you know, yeah, little Nikki with the pitchfork. Imagine myself a little bit with that one. Well, I'm older than you, Um, but like (laughs) I don't know what you're talking about. You don't know what little Nikki is. I have no idea. Okay, it's a stupid Adam Sandler movie. It's great. I I was going I was going along with it though. (laughs) I was like, yeah, little Nikki. It's wonderful. (laughs) He's googling it. But anyway, so like you know, so we have these pictures in our mind, and like, and I've actually made sure to say like, a lot of what Westerners think about hell has been much more shaped by Dante's Inferno Mm -hmm. than the Bible. And Mm -hmm. Tom and Jerry with the pitchfork. Tom and Jerry. I mean, and that's actually, that came, is you know really a lot of the pictures of Satan and and the nature of hell came from places in medieval understanding like Dante's Inferno. So I'll use the word deconstruction that I think when we talk to teenagers, when we talk to even non-believers, like the first thing you should do is try and peel back away the onions of flawed understanding, you know, mm-hmm. and say, Hey, let's forget what we think we know mm-hmm. and then just see what the Bible has to say. And, and, you know, Josh, you said it like Jesus talked so much about hell. Um, and he was fairly, um, specific. Like, I mean, it, you, it's difficult for me when I see so many people teaching like universalism and kind of like a second chance mentality when mm-hmm. it comes to hell, because I'm like, You can differ on interpretations of Jesus's words on the nature of the punishment, the nature of is the language about fire and eternal torment. Is that figurative? Is that literal? But to me, I think any interpretation that leads towards universalism is is inherently flawed. And I think it would be a crime to teach anybody, especially young people, anything other than what the Bible says about
1: it yeah and Jesus seems to have like two pair two things that are like laced in between all of his teaching on hell one is an absolute factor to it Mm -hmm. and the second is that it is not a pleasant experience like yeah those two things are very true like there doesn't seem to be second chances there doesn't seem to be (laughs) there's nobody that goes I think of like a uh like a Hitchens yeah, talking about he would prefer hell over heaven and, yeah. and the idea of that. And Jesus is very clear to be like, no, regardless yeah. of your view of God, you would still mm-hmm. not prefer that. Right.
0: Yeah. And for those listening who might just think we're kind of like, you know, speaking off the cuff, like, I mean, what we're referring here is like Matthew 25. Like Jesus talks a lot of Matthew twenty-four, twenty-five, Jesus talks about the end times. He talks about hell um, in Luke. He tells the parable of the rich man and Lazarus, which is, you know, a, a very debated passage but i mean from it you can learn some of these principles that like hell um a like josh just said is 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 a very undesirable place and as best as we can tell like you don't get a second chance right and so i just think like when when we talk about the question of like how should we introduce this to kids and teens i think gently humbly lovingly i posted a a, a quote from john stott on instagram a couple weeks ago um and i'll probably include it with the show notes for this episode but like like, we shouldn't—we shouldn't—like, there's too many Christians who enjoy talking about hell. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Like, there's
0: too many Christians who enjoy the fact that non-believers are going to find themselves in hell. Right. And, and, and like, Stott pointed out that, like, like, Paul, Jeremiah, and Jesus himself wept over these people, mm-hmm. you know, and we should weep too. And so, like, I think that our teens, our kids— the the near or non believers in our churches should should see that in how we talk about this like that we shouldn't be preaching and punching the pulpit and saying you know yeah. all these horrible things about the people who are going to find themselves in hell mm-hmm. I had a family member
1: that passed away and um and I was kind of on the fence I didn't I'd never been able to have a conversation with him about where he was like what his relationship with Jesus was and uh, I remember going to um, uh, Randy. Southwick yeah. the Solitude Place Ministries, that, yeah, you know, part of, of our church, yeah. And uh, I was like, you know, if I have to say something at his funeral, like, what what, what do I do with that? You know, mm-hmm. I don't know if in this moment he is experiencing heaven or hell. And Randy gave, he said, regardless of the funeral that I teach or that, that I preach at, whether I know they had a relationship with Christ or I know they didn't, I still push into the fact that they would want me to tell you mm-hmm. the gospel, yeah. And like that even goes back to, to Lazarus and the rich man, where mm-hmm. like that is the that is the cry was tell yeah. my go home and tell my father. Go home yeah. and tell my brother. Yeah. And uh and I think that's that's kinda as, as Christians we can have that mindset yeah too. That mm-hmm. that like we're not we're whether we're filled with joy that someone's in heaven or filled with remorse that they're in hell, that yeah we, we still give the same cry which is the gospel.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And and I so like for if there's a youth pastor listening, a parent listening And this question resonates with you because, you know, you have a teen or a young person or somebody who just isn't a believer. Like, um, take that away. It's like, we should be passionate. Um, I was just, Josh, I was just telling you, like, I'm in the middle of reading this biography on R.C. Sproul, who's one of my favorite teachers, because we're having Stephen Nichols on the show in a few weeks, who just wrote the biography through Crossway. And he said that R.C. Sproul laid up at night thinking that maybe there were people in his church who acted like Christians, but actually were not regenerated believers. Mm-hmm. And that was what fueled his ministry. And I was like, is that true about me? Is that true about us? You know? Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I mean, that's how you talk to your teens about it. You know, it's like, I mean, like that's a lot, you know, but it's just like passionately, truthfully, gently, humbly. And Ben, I think you said it best. is like, it's okay to go case by case. Like, mm-hmm. like, my, my daughter is like, she's concerned about hell. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's so, like, we have to be gentle with how she talk. We talk about it with her, you know, but then there's plenty of people that I know that just, they accept it, you know? Um, but that does lead us to a little bit more of a technical question because in, in, even in, and even in how we answered that, um, we threw around some terms there. And I think like, Sometimes it can get confusing because someone, and this is actually sort of like an amalgamation of like a few different questions because on Instagram, I got a ton of these. What is the difference between hell, the lake of fire, the final judgment, Sheol, Hades, Gehenna, and the list goes on, you know, and at various points throughout all of the Bible, we see hell and heaven actually named different things. So let me just go ahead and spitball a few things here. Um, and you guys just kind of tell me what you make of this. And if you think this, even if, I mean, I guess why it matters. Does you that know?
1: not sound like the, like I'll take misunderstood terms for hell for a hundred hours. Yeah. So like, yeah, that is a category. Well, I mean, really like, I think
0: when people say hell, like, okay, I mean, let's make it real. Like you were just talking about this funeral. Yeah. And we, we kind of just say like, well, whether that person is in heaven or hell and we never really stop to say, okay, so, Where are people when they die right Mm -hmm. now? Mm -hmm. And if there is a final judgment to come where everything that is said in revelation and the other prophetic writings comes true, that now there's new places, right? There's a new heaven and there's a hell like that seems like a final place of judgment. Right. And so I think that that leads us to some questions. And I think that like sometimes we just, we just avoid talking about them because we don't want to make people uncomfortable. Right. But so, so I'm going to spitball it here and then we'll kind of we'll see where it goes. But like so all throughout the Old Testament, there's this place called Sheol mm-hmm. and Sheol is actually the Hebrew word for grave. And so typically when the Old Testament talks about Sheol, um, it either literally means it as grave, like a hole in the ground or the final resting place of the dead. Now, one thing that a lot of people don't realize about Jews is is that Jews have never been as concerned about the afterlife as Christians. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, and they're not on a quest for salvation like we are. And uh, at least typically. Um, And so there's not a ton in the Old Testament about the places that people go after they die. But what is there typically talks about Sheol. And like in Daniel, um, it is described as, a place that like people would not want to go. (laughs) Um, and so when the new Testament was being written, the word that otherwise would have been used for Sheol in Hebrew was now the word Hades Mm -hmm. in Greek and Hades, right? That same word is used in Greek mythology, right? As the final resting place of the Mm -hmm. dead. Well, in the new Testament, so like when Jesus said, um, And he's telling the story of the rich man and Lazarus. And he says that Lazarus went to Abraham's bosom or Abraham's side. Mm -hmm. He said the rich man went to Sheol, Mm -hmm. which would be the grave. Mm -hmm. So as best as we can tell, like most of the time when Jesus and the new Testament writers talk about Sheol, what they're talking about or, or Hades, they're talking about like the intermediary place where people go after they die. Um, specifically Mm -hmm. in the case of Sheol, people who in the future are going to find themselves in hell. Right. So there is sort of like an intermediary judgment to a certain degree that sends someone to Sheol and then sends somebody like Lazarus in that parable, or maybe it's not a parable. We don't really know. Um,
1: Thanks Jesus. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Usually he starts, usually he starts, um, Every parable by like indicating that it's a parable, but in mm-hmm. that story he didn't, and so people kind of wonder, did that actually happen? Right. Um, but so, but in that case, it was called Abraham's bosom. Sometimes it's called paradise, um, but he doesn't ever call it heaven, you know. And so, when Jesus and the New Testament writers are talking about this intermediary place, they were referring to it as Sheol, Hades, the grave, which is just Sheol, mm-hmm. and then or paradise, Abraham's bosom, mm-hmm. then. When Jesus specifically would talk about hell, he usually used the word Gehenna, Mm -hmm. which Gehenna literally was actually a place right outside Jerusalem where they burned the trash. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they would dump the bodies of criminals and undesirables there. And um, actually, in the intertestamental period, when Judaism began to get a little bit more mystic um, in some camps, Gehenna would have actually been thought of as like a place of evil. Mm -hmm. And so when Jesus was using Gehenna, like it wasn't like he was saying, Hey, if you don't get your life together, you're going to end up in the dump. Like it was a very common accepted fact that like Gehenna meant hell Gehenna meant like a place of torment. And so when Jesus is referring to the final destination of those who are going to find themselves judged against God, he says Gehenna typically and the new Testament writers will use that from time to time too. Um, And so, and then of course, right. When he talks about heaven, He's talking about a, a new heaven, a new earth, mm-hmm. a, f- a final destination, a final place of peace and rest and communion with God. And so it's sort of like I think functionally many Christians have a single stage understanding of heaven and hell where like you die and you go to heaven, you die and you go to hell. And that's problematic because we know that there's going to be a final judgment. And it's sort of like there has to be a two
1: stage understanding. Mm-hmm.
0: It's not purgatory, though. You know what I mean, right? That,
1: that's that was about to be my question. I was like, yeah. or, or, or not even necessarily a question, but just something that we, we need to. I don't know yeah. necessarily we need to unpack because I think somebody who's who's not in like the Christian realm at all, they hear what you just described, mm-hmm. like show uh, almost mm-hmm. like like the words that come to your brain it's like holding place, yeah. and then you start thinking like, oh well, the Catholics have a transitional yeah. place, yeah. right? You well,
0: know? the Catholics do have a transition place. So everybody in Catholicism that's going to find themselves in heaven goes to purgatory, which the word. Purgatory literally comes from the root word purge. And in purgatory, you are purging yourself from like the physical venial sins mm-hmm. that you commit. It actually goes back to like what I was talking about with our children. is like our kids think sin is lying to their mom, mm-hmm. right? But sin actually far transcends that. But what the Catholics would say is that you still, like Jesus' atonement atoned for like the eternal state of sin and depravity that we all find ourselves in. But you still, before you go to heaven need to be purged of like those earthly venial sins. And like, you'll hear it sometimes equated to like be like sort of like being washed or cleansed Mm -hmm. in purgatory. So you're being purged of those earthly sins that came through hundreds of years of Catholic tradition. And there's really nothing in the Bible that would support that teaching Mm and, um, you know, we all we all have Catholic friends, and like we don't want to make it out to be like they're, you know, um, completely you know wrong about everything. But I would I would disagree pretty vehemently with the concept mm-hmm. of um, purgatory. But yeah, Sheol is not purgatory. Right. Sheol is a place that is intermediary, like purgatory, but not intermediary in function. Like there's not something going on there that then is going to lead to something else. It, it is a place of um, you know, of judgment, so to speak, based on that person's life. Mm. You know what I mean? So, so, I mean, how did we get here then, right? You guys are, I mean, you guys are involved in church ministry, teaching, um, helping lead others. I mean, in, in various forms and fashion, like how did we get to the point where we're recording this on a Saturday night? If I stood up tomorrow at, at Element Church and said, you know, heaven and hell, like we can't really be sure that these people, many of whom
2: mm-hmm.
0: have grown up in church their entire life, actually have a biblical understanding of heaven and hell. How did we get here? Mm-hmm. What do you boys think? How did, what What do you mean, how did we get here? Like, how, why do we not, how, why is this not
1: more common knowledge? Hmm. Well, I think one, because the one is uncomfortable to talk about, mm-hmm. right? We already kind of noted that, you know, um, I almost brought it up earlier in the conversation, but like, I don't. I don't want to act like the the previous generation did a bad job of teaching on something, right? Sure. I don't want to say that necessarily, but like, what it, it seems like there was a more of an emphasis on like salvation through teaching on the like the uh, the uh, skipping out on hell. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Maybe maybe avoiding
0: preaching fire and brimstone led some people to
1: avoid teaching on hell at all. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know, but, but possibly. Mm-hmm. Right. And possibly like that, like maybe we're even guilty of that mm-hmm. a little bit because it isn't much, because there's also the, the ramifications to teaching fire and brimstone. Right. Yeah, right. It's like people not understanding the, the ins and outs of, of grace and mercy and, yeah. and the things that I think our people have a better grasp on. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, and then heaven. Heaven's just kinda complicated. And yep. then and then also when you get in talking about heaven, you have to talk about revelation. You have to talk about like like mid trib, post trib, like mm-hmm. all these things. You don't have to. I mean we, we make it out to be that way. But I mean
0: I yeah, I, I get what you're but saying. When you're
1: prepping for it, yeah. You think you, you automatically slippery slope argument your way into saying, Well, maybe I just won't take a hard stance on that because yeah. I because I'll have to talk about that. Sure. And and then those are things that are like mm-hmm. can be divisive.
0: Yeah yeah
1: um I, I mean I, I think I think kind of you're on
0: something there of like we I think we found ourselves in a in a predicament where like some of the things that I just laid out are new to so many people, and I do think I mean, I've seen it happen too like I talk about this stuff a lot like um and I have seen some people not get upset, but just sort of be perturbed that like their understanding of these things, which are so important mm-hmm. might have been flawed. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, and so Ben, I don't know. What do you think? Like, as far as like, not just that we need to have a technical understanding. Like, I don't, I don't want people to feel like they have to be able to explain the Greek and the Hebrew difference mm-hmm. between Sheol and Hades or whatever else. But like, um, you know, as somebody who's grown up in the church and, and I mean, you're an incredibly smart guy and you, <laughs> I think you outpace me and, and Josh and what you listen to and, read and all these things but like um w- why is it do, in your opinion that we find ourselves in this position where some of this teaching is new to mm-hmm. people when it's there in the bible for them to to know uh and they all and, and we have tim Mackey, we have mm-hmm. all we have so many valuable resources where it's like this shouldn't be something that's like taking mm-hmm. us by surprise mm-hmm. you know what i mean mm-hmm. uh well i think
2: uh josh's Hit on one of the reasons. One being that it's a difficult topic to talk mm-hmm. on, right? For certain reasons. Uh, two is debated. You know, like I yeah. said, like is from these things. Mm. I mean, different stances, different people, different yeah. people, different denominations have different opinions about it. Yeah, I think that's another reason. Two, I don't, I don't know. I feel like a lot of people maybe like what Josh was saying, and not in a negative way, but take the stance that, like, I'll give an example uh, that I was thinking about. Like, I used to listen to Tim Keller. Mm-hmm. Like every night, yeah. I think I can. I can only count on my hands like once or twice sermons that he actually talked about hell, mm-hmm. and maybe once or twice that he actually maybe even talked about heaven, if in if any at all. Sure, yeah. He always talked he about this life. Yeah. Well, yeah. well, his his preaching was cross center preaching. I believe that's what he called it, mm-hmm. and he would mm-hmm. always bring it back to the cross at every sermon. Mm-hmm. And so maybe that's the route <laughs> that a lot of people try to take is thinking that instead of like getting in super depth about hell or heaven, let me take them to Jesus. And maybe yeah. that will kind of, I don't know, maybe hmm. help guide them. Yeah. Either, I don't so know. So what, what do yeah. we think
0: about that? Because, like, um, I'd say I do that. You know what I mean? Sure. Like, I, I talk about heaven and hell a lot, but it's more from a teaching standpoint. Mm-hmm. But, like, you know, I, I I think we would all agree with, like, teach Jesus, teach Jesus, teach the truth and the matters and all these things, and then... Not that heaven and hell take care of themselves, but right. like
1: it is somewhat like you don't want people to make the decision based off of those two things. Mm-hmm. But well, I think first thing, it, listeners, I, I'm really excited whenever we have a video because you really miss out by not being able to see Ben's mannerisms. Like he, <laughs> he, he's he's it really, add, really adds to the fact. Um, you drank that we had an Americana before we started. Oh, yeah, <laughs> got, got them, got them good nurin beans. Um, <laughs> our society and, and particularly like teaching like me, like me myself being a, a younger teacher trying to get better at, at, you know, displaying the gospel. Um, most, most books you read, most like courses you look at, it's all about bringing it back to an applicable point. Yeah. What's your applicable point for heaven and hell? Like, yeah. And, I, and and, 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 you know, possibly that's a flaw, right? I mean, it most probably is. And, uh, but maybe that's why we don't have as concrete a a understanding is because it's not the, it may be something that is involved in your teaching, but it is not necessarily the crux of the teaching. Mm-hmm. Like it's not the hypothesis you're bringing into it at the beginning. It's not the hook. It's not the, uh, and if you do this, this will happen in your, mm-hmm. in your yeah. oikos. You mm-hmm. see what I'm saying? But, yeah. but because it's not something that you can influence or touch or feel or change. Yeah. Right now, it is, and it is the conclusion that is decided based upon the decision to whether Mm. accept or reject Jesus, right? And because of that, since we can't mold it, we can't control it. Our society says, then why are we talking about it? Yeah, I think that's actually.
0: I think you just you just hit on something that I've never thought about, and it reminds me of. Do you guys ever see ads for MasterClass? Mm-hmm. yeah i know you do because mm-hmm. it, it's right up your alley too it's mine too i actually all three of us i'm surprised that one of us doesn't have a membership so i see all these ads for masterclass which is like these celebrity experts in something right so like gordon ramsay's teaching cooking you yeah. know? the
1: rock will show you how to be swole like
0: him in you uh, know, a few years that's i think there's
1: there's some chemistry steve martin's doing comedy <laughs> yeah steve
0: <laughs> Steve Martin's doing comedy, right? So there's this oh, you guy. You said Steve Harvey. Uh, <laughs> Steve nah. Harvey could do it too. Yeah. Um, uh, but like uh, David Sedaris, there's this guy named David Sedaris and he's a very famous writer. And and I, dude, I watch the trailers for these things mm-hmm. and I watch the ad and every time I'm like, Courtney, we could
1: just for a year pay for it. And I'd watch all of them. I'm you am gonna know? take the Gordon Ramsay one cut my thumb off. I don't
0: even <laughs> want, I don't even like cooking that much, but I would watch a class, that's just how I am. Like mm-hmm. I would watch a class, that Gordon Ramsay taught. Does he call you a panini head? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So David Sedaris, though, he he was talking about writing and he said, the problem is so many people write things that don't end, they stop. Hmm. And like, that's one of those things that's just stuck with me because I'm like trying to get back into writing. I finished my master's degree and like, now I'm kind of like, well, let's, you know, write some things for people to actually, you know, read because nobody reads master's theses. But, um, but so, but I think about what you just said. And I wonder if a lot of our preaching based on salvation stops, but doesn't end Hmm. like, like, cause you just said it's like, Hey, heaven and hell is the conclusion, but, it's not the crux, it's not the hook. And I think about like when I edit these shows, is I always have a hook at the beginning of the show. And so like when I'm interviewing somebody, when somebody says something like really mind blowing, I'll make a note of it and I'll go back and I'll listen to like some of the best parts of the interview, or not just the best parts, but like the things that I think will make someone wanna listen to the entire thing. But it's never the conclusion, like it's never the end of the conversation. You know what I mean? Like the hook always comes at the beginning of the middle. And I wonder if some of the reason why we don't find heaven and hell as more of a center of our teaching is because it shouldn't be the center of our teaching necessarily, but it should be there. It should be part of the conclusion. And I mean, Jesus talked about it a ton. I think the mistake we make is sometimes thinking, oh, we have to talk about it a ton then, too. It's Mm -hmm. like, well, no. But you need to talk about it in, in your We need to talk p- about it effectively. Yeah, and you need and, to talk and about picks, exactly and
1: pick your spots. Effectively and, and clearly. Mm-hmm. You know. Um if you like were your- if you were a pitcher, if you were a baseball pitcher, mm-hmm. like which we have a
0: lot of people from the UK and Australia, so maybe we should involve cricket too. If you were a cricket
1: bowler, bowler? yeah. Yeah, bring out Good job, the fast bowler. There you Good go. Job. Um, so like for you know, American side, it's almost like your your fork. You don't a fork ball. You don't use Josh it very often. Josh pitched in
0: in college, so we, he he likes to remind people.
1: I, <laughs> <laughs> Why do I need to have friends like you? <laughs> but, but it's almost like that pitch that like you never use, but it's in your repertoire. But if you don't use it, you use it well. Mm-hmm. When you when you do, yeah, then it's worthless. You yeah. shouldn't even you shouldn't even have to do it. Yeah, yeah.
0: I mean, it's got to be there.
2: Did you, I know you did some Q and A's in your time in youth ministry.
0: Did you ever do one on hell or no? I don't remember. Uh-huh. I don't. It, heaven, be, heaven came up a lot. Heaven came up a lot. I'll be honest. That's interesting, so, but hell did it.
1: So, oh, One's more yeah. fun to talk I was about. Say,
0: <laughs> yeah. well, right, well, I'll be honest fair. though. Like, so wh- I've learned so much since I left student ministry. Like, and not just like how to do things, but like, I mean, I went back to school, started all things, all people. And like, mm-hmm. I, I've learned more doing all things, all people than probably almost either of the degrees that I have because mm-hmm. I'm constantly talking to people. I'm constantly having to read. Um, and so I, I'm probably guilty of some things that like a lot of student pastors are guilty of, which is avoiding topics that you mm-hmm. don't feel capable to talk about Mm -hmm. you know and I think a lot of youth pastors do that like whether they're willing to admit it or not it's not because they want to water down the gospel it's because they don't have effective training they don't have effective teaching and the idea of talking about hell scares them because it can mess kids up like it can scare people to the point where like a lo- wait, wait so you're trying to tell me a loving god will do that and it's like when you don't feel capable to answer that question you will do whatever you can to avoid it well that's what we've been saying I don't I don't know that I did that I mean like I like to think that I had a little bit of a propensity to lean into those types of things but I can guarantee you I
1: I did it more than I remember well and and that's what we've been saying this whole time what's the worst what's worse than not talking about it? talking about it poorly yeah. cuz talking about it poorly infects an entire generation with a misconception right
0: yeah. Which, you know, actually, so that, that leads us to, so like, um, I, I got a question about this and I kind of modified it because I want to hear y'all's thoughts on this. And mm-hmm. the the concept of deconstruction, and I used that word a little while ago mm-hmm. differently than it typically gets thrown around social media, especially, um, there's this whole movement. And I think of people like, um, John Steingard, um, who used to be the singer of Haw- the lead singer of Hawk Nelson. Um, there's a big big deal with uh Rhett and Link, big YouTubers that they they both deconstructed and are no longer Christians. Um and there, there's so many of them really mm-hmm. and deconstruction is, is is a large movement in the evangelical world where people are now beginning to consider themselves ex-evangelicals and it is trending. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly yeah. and and one thing that I've seen continually, especially in the case of someone like John Steingard, who's a great guy, um like and, and and as far as I can tell, all of these people are 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 great people like that. I I would love to hang out with and all that. But like, um, but one thing that I continually see is that in many people who find themselves deconstructing away from Christianity, not just deconstructing poor beliefs or teachings, but deconstructing their faith, mm-hmm. is that hell continually plays into that. So that
2: seems to be the big one.
0: It's right. one of them. Okay. Like that hell and the problem of evil. And
2: think. That, and probably sometimes even those two kind of together yeah, for sure. Kind of, you
0: know. And so like, I I don't want to put words in his mouth, but I'm pretty sure I've heard John Steingard say that like the idea of eternal conscious torment mm-hmm. was a big reason why he felt like maybe God didn't actually exist, or at least the way that Christians say that he, he does. And so what do we make of that? As we, um, you know, ATAP is seeking to raise up generations of Christian thinkers. Like, we are facing a world where, where hell is being singled out specifically as a reason not to believe in God, not to believe the gospel. Um, how do we approach that with a culture that is saying, and it's not just that everybody's, I don't want to straw man these people, but I'm just going to go out and single it out and say that is particularly one reason that some people are singling out, you mm-hmm. know, or at least it's beginning to lead them down that path. So what would you say to that then to say like, Hey, I believe that hell is a very real place. Um, you know, I don't know that any of us are going to say what the nature of it is exactly. But like we believe it's an actual literal place. But that doesn't cause me to lose faith in God mm-hmm. or the gospel of Jesus Christ. So how would be the, what would be the best way to engage the deconstruction and evangelical culture with the topic of
1: hell? Well, I, I think I'm, well, there's a couple of things, right? Mm-hmm. But like the first one I kind of mentioned earlier is like the, the, it's a good nature of God, even mm-hmm. though there's a horrible thing like hell, mm-hmm. like the good nature of God is that there is justice. Mm-hmm. Right. It's, it's so funny that in a society that is so predicated on finding justice, oh, that we're not okay with an eternal justice, only a temporary one. Mm-hmm. Like that's just so bizarre. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, and also, we're in a culture where it was like we'll never actually have. Like, I feel like almost sometimes our culture in my generation has given up on the idea of actually achieving that justice. But now we just want to call out for the justice. Mm. And well, but but yet you
0: said it, not me. I'm, yeah.
1: Well, I'm yeah. It's it's been something that's been on my mind mm-hmm. a lot. Um, get ready, amplify. Like, I, think yeah. I, I think I'm teaching on like amplify four weeks. Group. Yeah. Um, but but yet. Christianity, we want to deconstruct the one means and avenue that is asserting there is a universal justice. Yeah. And that there is an objective morality, which we're basing a lot of these, you know, superfluous arguments on this objective morality. Yeah. But there's. I mean, what you're
0: alluding to is like a cancel culture kind of thing. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. And a
0: cancel culture. Not not to make it, not to, not to degrade it. I mean, there's certain parts of it that are valid,
1: but yeah. I mean, I think a lot of times like the basis of it is mm-hmm. based on something good, yeah, people should be held accountable for their yeah. actions and I would say it's based on a you know an objective moral truth on our hearts, yeah that like the the idea of being like there there is justice, there is a intrinsic value to people that needs to be honored there there is all these things, but for some reason, our generation stops short and says but but really you gotta you gotta suffer for eternity for mm-hmm. those things and be like you cried out for justice. Yeah. This is a God who is just, but mm-hmm. is also so loving. Yeah. That he gave a literal scapegoat for you. Yeah. In Christ. Yeah. But uh I think that's one thing. One key thing about teaching on hell is teaching like, hey, this is a very real place, but this is a very real God who wanted to mm-hmm. give you get you out of that. Yeah. And not that not that your salvation is based on escaping mm-hmm. a uh, a punishment, but that is the nature of this Lord. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And like reading back through Revelation in preparation for this conversation. Yeah. Um the that that God, like we are going to usher him into mm-hmm. his kingdom. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Like like we are going to be like, Oh, it's Jesus, it's, it's our Lord, it's our Lord. And like we have this this relationship to him that is built on a love for him, not yeah. like a fear or yeah. anything, even though he is so just. Hmm. Um I, th- I think that's yeah. that's part of
0: it. Well, and I think what you bring up, like the idea of like addressing culture, <clears throat> and all of us are fluent, you know, at, in a kind of a basic apologetic understanding. And, you know, we've had Frank Turek on this show, Jorge Gil, and, and, you know, these are guys that I continually hear make an argument against the, the when we say the culture we live in, I mean, that's sort of like the, the millennial to Gen Z culture, which right now seems to be um, enthralled in the idea of pursuing justice. Uh-huh. Right. And I mean, and people will degrade them all the time. Oh, there's their social justice warriors and all these things. And I'm like, I, I don't know if we can break a record for bringing up Andy Bannister on these crew episodes, but, <laughs> but like, but like go back and listen to Andy Bannister talk about why it's a good thing that people are calling out for justice. Yeah. Because the gospel is the only answer. And, what I would say to people who are in the midst of deconstruction, deconstruction and they're falling away from their faith is I would say the reason why it's a good thing that you're calling out for justice and that the gospel is the only answer is that we are held accountable for our actions. Yeah. And if and if my eternal fate is up to me, all the best I can do will lead me away from God. Mm. And that's the best I can do. And Paul said that my the best of my works are like filthy rags. And I believe him when he said that. And so the only way to not find yourself in that place of eternal separation against God and whatever else comes with it is to be identified in God. And we do that in the person of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so like. You know, yeah, I'm a fan. am a fan of Andy Bannister. I know you guys are, too. And, and he's not he didn't originate that idea, but he said it on our show. And so we, you know, we kind of copyright it by throwing mm-hmm. it out there with every time every conversation. But like but yeah, like that's that's why I think it's important in the midst of this deconstructionism to say, like, I understand why you think hell is the reason to walk away from faith. But let me help you understand that a holistic understanding of the gospel might lead you to still not enjoy thinking or talking about hell like John Stott said, but understanding that it's one small puzzle piece in a larger picture that points towards justice
1: and eternal love from a, a very loving God, you know? And Am I am I mischaracterizing deconstructionalism when talking about the idea of, like, it, it is, like, the idea of judging something based on your, like, the experience of now. Now Correct? and your own experience. Too. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean that is just like a well and I well, okay
0: well I, I think that we're we're going to try and steal man this argument is like and and a one thing I've noticed too and it it should it, se- it should seem to follow that like a postmodern society is going to have a postmodern view of like truth insofar as like what one person who quote unquote deconstructed it and fell away from faith they're probably going to have different qualms than every other deconstruction yeah person who has deconstructed you know and I so. So it's not just, like, some of these people legitimately studied the Bible right. and said, yeah, this this doesn't this isn't what I thought it was, so sure. I'm, I'm walking away. So it's not just that, like, John Steingard said, I don't like hell, so I'm not going to believe in God. Like, well, I, think, he, I think he said, went through
1: yeah. a journey to get there. Right. Yeah. Well, I think the, the, the issue that, you know, clearly follows from that is, like, are you not, like, are you just throwing, like, the context out of the room for, like, right. when it's written? Like, yeah, like right. <laughs> that's that's really important. It mm-hmm. seems like the the basis for for this this mm-hmm. idea is not judging it off of the context in which it was written, yeah. but in the context that you're reading it. Which yeah, and and and, and I mean that that opens us up into a, a whole different thing. You know, I go
0: to these <coughs> acad- uh not recently because of COVID, but like these academic conferences. Like I'm part of the American Academy of Religion and all these other things, and like so I'm with non-Christian religion scholars Mm -hmm. and it's interesting to me that like it's very common to in the modern understanding of religion to interpret religion through race through gender identity politics through um whatever else i mean like it's just a whole different thing you know like so there'll be seminars there'll be entire sections of these conferences where it's like Jesus and feminist theology, you know what I mean? And so the only reason I bring all that up to say is like, you know, in, in, in evangelical Christian culture, like you brought up Tim Keller, you know, for goodness sake, like Mm -hmm. we are taught to interpret the Bible based off the context it was written in and to wrestle against imposing any ideas from our current world onto the text. That is not how most people are interpreting the Bible in today's world. Like in, 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 in their worldview, rightfully so, right? Like they don't look at it as an, as an errand or divinely inspired. So they're going, we are not, we're not going to shape our world by a 2000 year old document. They're looking at that and saying, we are going to shape our understanding of that, that document. So like, Looking at it that way, you begin to understand why people are deconstructing the way that they are. Um, but that doesn't change the fact that like you can't just like bend to that. Like we kind of have to say like, no, Jesus, like Gehenna was a real place. Right. You know what I mean? Like it was down the street. But like, what was he actually talking about? Right. You know what I mean? Um, well, I guess that's kind of what I was hinting at, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's like that. That's part of the reason for that. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Um so so last couple things I'm going to hit a couple questions here. You guys just kind of tell me what comes to your mind and then and then we're going to end with kind of a big question at the end. Um gut feeling. This comes from Instagram. Mm-hmm. Will God forget or stop loving those who find themselves in hell? Will God forget or stop loving those who find themselves in hell? Ben, what do you think? No. <laughs> okay, why? One because
2: I would go forgetting would go against uh om, being omniscient.
0: Yeah, yeah, I would say so. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> uh,
2: but no, well, no, because it's just part of God's nature. He yeah. can't. you know that would just go against his yeah. nature. He cannot do that.
0: And I think I think I'm always I'm I try my best to be careful to not like put things into the text that aren't there. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, with some questions, you sort of have to make a, your best guess. But I mm-hmm. kind of go. <sighs> would it be within god's character to 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 bring about this justice and then just forget mm-hmm. people you know it, it, that sort of seems like an escapist god mm-hmm. and i just don't think that our god is is anything about escapism like i think he's not going to relish mm-hmm. in these people's decisions to reject him but i don't think he's going to forget them either mm-hmm. you know and, and to, to continue the question i don't think he's going to stop loving those but of course you know like the question of like well what does it mean for god to love people you mm-hmm. know what i mean um and so but i i ultimately think he's going to feel the same way about them that he feels about them now mm-hmm. um it's just he he's a god who honors choices like he honors their their free age their their agency not their free agency like they can sign with whatever team <laughs> they want. i guess you i guess technically kind of kind of works but uh-huh. i don't want to trivialize it like <laughs> Picking the Timberwolves over the bulls or something like no that. No one yeah. picks the Timberwolves. That's you know, their problem. The well, A-Rod,
1: but, A-Rod just bought them, so maybe so. Yeah, we'll see. Um,
0: okay, so second, next one, gut feeling. Will when, you know, when we get to heaven, will we know and remember our loved ones? Will we know and remember our loved ones? Just gut feeling. If you guys have something to add to this, Jesus addresses this quite clearly. Pharisees come to Jesus and they say, hey once again, they're trying to trick him. Um, Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, they say a woman's married, you know, five times and, you know, Mm -hmm. all these things who, who she married to in heaven. And Jesus kind of is like, you guys don't get it. Like, Um, like you're not going to be given in marriage in heaven. Um, Mm -hmm. so like, I don't think that, I think our our relationships will be dynamically different. Like Mm -hmm. I don't think necessarily I'm going to be, um, like my relationship with my wife, Courtney is not going to be the exact same because we won't be given in marriage. Like Mm -hmm. marriage won't be like the Supreme example of intimacy that it is here on earth because like our relationship with God will be completely actualized in heaven. But Mm -hmm. I I do think we will remember our loved ones. It doesn't seem to be within the character of the gospel for us to Mm -hmm. just like completely forget about each other. Well, I think too, if you,
2: I mean, I just don't think you would forget yourself. I mean, your memories make up so much of who you are and your personality yeah. and stuff, so I think mm-hmm. that would just go... I, you, yourself yes. would cease to exist if you forgot Ooh, your memories. Jeez. In a way. No, in Goodness a way. Goodness gracious. I'm not
0: arguing with you. I'm saying like... Yeah, in a way, You yeah. got deep on us there for... Well, it's just your memories
2: make up so much of who you are and how you, you are. Did
0: you see the rabbit hole? I oh did. <laughs> oh gosh, God. I didn't see that coming Son at all. But you're, that's, yeah. that's a podcast right there. Is that part of who you are as a, as yourself. Yeah. For
2: better or for worse, they make you who you are. Wow. You know,
0: man, we got kind of, let's take a moment there. Mm. Goodness gracious. Mm. Wow. Okay. We're going to move on from that. That was
1: great, Ben. Um Something something for you to think about for the rest of your drive. <laughs> if, <you're, laughs> if it's over an hour. Yeah. Ponder that one.
0: Yeah. Um Last question. And then we're going to move on to how the, the kind of the question thought we're going to end, end the episode today with is um, will we, so in that same line of thinking, right? Mm-hmm. Will then will you be
1: sad over those who are in hell? I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, you will be sad for them. But I feel like the, the experience that you'll have in heaven will be so overwhelming yeah. that it that'll be fleeting. Yeah. I don't know. That's just that's just kind of what think that, that's kind of my thought. Yeah, that I think I think like, I don't
0: know is an acceptable yeah. answer there. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I agree with you. I'm kind of like it would seem like so like I think it's. I can't, I think it's revelation talks about like all of the things, like when it's talking about the new heaven and the new earth and it's like, and like we will cease to like, I think it says like we'll cease to remember all these things or something like Mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. And I'm kind of like, I don't, I just, I struggle with the idea that like kind of like what Ben just said is like, it doesn't seem consistent that we would forget, but I, I do know that God said he'll wipe away every tear from our eyes. And, um, I do think that there will be resolution and resolve mm. to, to, in, in, in a fuller understanding of this justice that we continually talk about. So if we do remember,
1: um, gosh, who is the man? There's some quote that's coming to my mind right now. I can't remember the author. Um, watch it be a heretic. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, it talks about is like, um, God's justice is so completely righteous that when, when like, I think they, I think they use the terminology of like the saved and the damned or, or judge, they'll both agree.
0: Right. So, yeah. I, and I, I don't know. No. And it kind of goes along with like CS Lewis and the great divorce talks about, um, how God is such a respect, such a respecter, so to speak of like human free will mm-hmm. that he's really just giving the people in hell what they want. And the, the very famous phrase is hell is a door locked from the inside. Mm-hmm. And man, it's probably a good place to kind of begin to wrap this conversation up with saying like when it comes to heaven and hell, I don't know is an acceptable answer, but I trust and have faith that it will make sense. Yeah. Like, and and I know that seems like a very simple and trivial thought, but like, I feel like for all of us present, however much agency and and knowledge of it we have, I think it'll make sense. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't think God will do something in those moments that makes us question after, after these lives of following him faithfully where we go, well, I don't, I'm not sure that that was the right move there, God, you know? (laughs) Um, and so I, I know that some, to some people like blind faith, but it's just more like I'm looking at it and going, what is consistent with everything I've seen from God, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think that that would be most consistent. But lastly, this, so we didn't talk a ton about, um, heaven, um, and usually these, these topics go together, but obviously, um, you know, one thing that is, is be painfully clear to many of us is that, um, the, the versions, the, that what we picture in our minds with heaven and hell, excuse me, um, are sometimes wrong. And I encourage people not, you don't need to get all your answers from us, but we shouldn't get most of your answers from us. Like go, go listen to NT, Wright Talk about the new heaven and the new earth. Don't listen to me talk about it. Um, He's better at it than me, but like what I want to hear from you guys before we finish up is why does it matter Mm -hmm. for us to get this right? Mm -hmm. Like as best as we can? Why does it matter? I mean, this has not been the most pleasant conversation, like the things we're thinking about. Mm -hmm. Um, and I don't think everybody needs to have an hour long conversation with their friends on this, but like, why does it matter for Christians to pursue correct Mm -hmm. theology and doctrine on heaven and hell? Not just preachers. But just the lay Christian who might be sitting in a pew, sitting in a chair, sitting in their truck, driving to work right now or whatever it is. Um, Why does it matter to pursue the correct knowledge on this?
1: Uh, Well, Francis Chan has like the amazing uh, uh, metaphor, if you will, like showing the he has like this rope. And of course, he did it really nice whenever he was at uh a. at his at the first Simi Valley semi Valley yeah and uh, he stretches the rope through the rafters and around the church and like people are sitting down and the church is all and the rope's all around the place and then like oh, he has this single section of rope which is like I don't know like seven inches long and he was like this is your life yeah it was like and colored red yeah it was like colored red he was like the rest of this rope that's stretching around the entirety of the church. This is your eternity. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a great, that's a great example of what we're talking about. Yeah. You know, these two things are what makes up Mm -hmm. the overwhelming majority of our existence. Yeah. And, uh, and, and I think that's something that we should be pretty sure of, you know, mm-hmm. like we're we're mu- and, and I think the the challenge is that we're m- I'm much more sure of things that are much more superfluous than, mm. than than I am about heaven or hell. Yeah. And uh, the only thing that I know for sure is that I'm wrong about something. But <laughs> but, you know, the 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 closet of things that I'm about 100 percent sure of should be heaven and hell yeah. or as close as I can possibly get, because that is the majority of my yeah. of my life and not even just
0: feel like not even just like theologically correct but like I think about that RC Sproul notion of like even though I can't like I'm an explainer I'm a teacher like I want to get everything right
2: mm-hmm.
0: <clears throat> and sometimes I refrain from talking about something if I don't feel as if I can get it 100% correct and I think what I see in scripture what I see in the teachings of Jesus is like even though you can't perfectly explain this mm-hmm. you should lay up at night worry not worrying but like lay up at night praying
1: Processing.
0: Yeah. Like if, if if whether you're a preacher or not, like you should be thinking like, who do I know that it's not just about going to heaven? Like, but who do I know that is not found in Jesus, you know? And, and allow that to drive you to share the love of God with that Mm -hmm. person, to share the gospel with that person. And it's not just about avoiding hell, but that certainly is part of it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And it's actually more about finding the joy of heaven here on earth and anticipating, with expectant hope what is to come in heaven, you know, whether that be paradise when someone dies or the new heaven and the new earth in, you know, the eschaton in the end of days, you know? And so, um, so that, that to me, like that's part of the reason why I, I do think whether it's through a, a podcast, a, a book, a conversation with your pastor, your youth pastor, like I, I do think, you know, we should strive for as much of a, a full, a holistic understanding of this topic as we can, you know? Um, all right. Well, I'm sure if you've made it this far, that this is the most fun you've had listening to a podcast. <laughs> 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 I promise the next time we'll be onto something, um, much more, uh, enjoyable. This is
1: just as light as the six people you'd bring to dinner. Yeah.
0: <sighs> yeah. Yeah. I think that the, the, the dinner conversation was probably lighter, but this one might be more important. So, uh gentlemen as always um i get a lot of good reviews by the way um, every time you guys are on the show people really enjoy it um and uh we'll see if this one's the same so (laughs) uh until until the next crew episode um we'll uh we'll see you boys again If, if you're listening to this the week that this goes live uh we have melissa kruger from the gospel coalition next week on may 24th after that we have bobby jameson who's a tremendous uh Ac- Christian academic, past one of the pastors at Mark Deaver's Church in Washington D.C. The week after that, we have a worship pastor from Illinois named Carrington Gaines. He's hilarious, wonderfully anointed guy. And then the week after that's a pretty big deal. Special <laughs> guest. We'll tell you more about that one as we get closer. Uh, Y'all are ready. It's not. It's a big deal. Yeah, so that's gonna, be a, that's gonna be that one's gonna be a lot of fun. So um, keep tuning in, keep listening, and we'll see you next time.
2: See you guys. See ya.